With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. It's a questions from the audience edition of the Tim McKernan Show. And I like this I, I, I like this this question. Now it's up to me. Well, I'm gonna do two. I like these two, and now it's up to me to be able to execute. But I feel like uh the listeners have, have submitted two that I think will in a kind of a similar to the Artie Lang show story a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'll be able to tell some inside baseball stories and um and then just be like blatantly transparent, so you're probably going to hear some things you maybe have never heard before. Uh, and so, tip of the cap to the listeners for great work on the questions from the audience. Now it's up to me to be able to deliver. Uh, you are always welcome to send any question, for real, any question. There's there's not anything you could send me that I... It's just, hey, you're welcome to ask a question. I just might be in a spot where I can't answer it or will choose not to answer it, but, you know, you got to shoot to score, so feel free to fire. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com, or on the TMA fan page on Facebook. That's where uh, thousands, I guess 6,500, 6,600 people interact daily, so feel free to join in on that as well, and that's how you can ask uh, questions for questions from the audience, and if you want your privacy, email certainly works, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. If you want me to reuse your name, I'll use your name, if not, uh, we will keep it confidential. But anyway, uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, it'll be a mind-expanding experience for me, taking me back on a couple of things, and then also uh, looking, I guess, in the future on another. So tip of the cap on the questions. Uh, sincere thanks to our sponsors, uh, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, Ryan Kelly. Uh, he has been with us from the very beginning and candidly has made this possible. This is um, a project that was a a venture, a guess. I don't really think there were any real like commercial based podcasts, so to speak. And by that, I mean podcasts in the area that were selling advertising um, a whole lot of anyway, hosted by radio personalities. I could be wrong on that. If I am. I apologize. I wasn't aware of them. Let me put it that way. And so for Ryan Kelly and the homeloanexpert.com team to get on board, make this possible almost a year ago, we're now approaching our 10th month. Uh, we are super grateful and I've known Ryan for years and I can speak to how good of a guy he is and how great of a business he runs. He's online at the homeloanexpert.com and you can buy through there, get your purchase price through there, find out how many your payments are going to be or refinance and see that five minutes can save you $500 with Ryan Kelly online at the homeloanexpert.com. You're doing business with a first-class person who runs a first-class company that continues to grow and also does philanthropic work throughout the St. Louis area. Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And another sponsor who has been with us from the very beginning, James Carlton. Uh, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance agent. He is online at carltoninsurance.net. And with the home buying season heating up after you get pre-approved with our studio sponsor, Ryan Kelly, uh, be sure to get a quote from a top agency and provider of the number one home insurer in North America. And that's State Farm. James Carlton, a State Farm insurance rep. I've gotten to know James since he has been on board with the show. And uh, now I just have a further appreciation of the quality work he does. I think a lot of people when it comes to insurance go, oh, you know, I know a guy. I'll use him. I know a girl. I'll use her. 
and then they just kind of make their payments and don't think anything of it and don't realize you can actually save money. And then you don't realize how important it is to have somebody knowledgeable in the industry until you really need it. Well, I am telling you, I am doing the legwork for you, even though James reached out to me to advertise. So really, I'm doing nothing except passing this along. This guy and his staff of seven people in Webster Groves, they know the business. And uh, they pride themselves on doing business the way I kind of like it, where you're going to call and you're going to get somebody right away, as opposed to an automated system. And then you hope you hear back and you don't even know if you're going to truly get quality customer service. That's why his company is growing. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. Uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes and I can vouch for James Carlton and James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. So uh, it is great to have those kinds of sponsors on board because I know them and I think very highly of them. And therefore, it is very easy for me to endorse them. Uh, and uh, James Carlton and Ryan Kelly certainly fall into that category. I have really enjoyed getting to know James here recently, and I've known Ryan, like I said, uh, for about seven years. So questions from the audience. Let me get to it and let me dig in. One is from the past and one is a hypothetical for the future. And I thought both were really good um, because I haven't really talked about either. Um, and I and I guess I guess in a way, you know, I listen – it's weird because I know there are like these self, I don't know, self-help feels like in a way is a, uh, is a negative or can be perceived as a negative um, industry, I guess, you know, like it's black magic or something along those lines. And I guess maybe in some cases it is. I also think when you have people who have done something in a particular arena, uh, whether it be personally or professionally, they can speak with experience and I think that has value. Uh, I mean, I can sit here and, and rev you up and spew the proper words, and perhaps maybe it'll gain a following. But, you know, I, I don't want to do that from my standpoint. For me personally, that would be disingenuous because I can't speak to so many of these elements. When it comes to starting a business, however, when it comes to media, uh, I can speak to it. I can speak to positives. I can speak to negatives. And I know a number of people even if they're not in this particular business, it's a business that people, some people are interested in, in following, uh, kind of in a TMZ-esque way. And then a number of people, I'm sure, have, who are listening have either started their own businesses and been very successful or started own businesses and it may not have worked out. Or you're sitting there right now and thinking about starting your own business. Um, and so one of the questions this week was, uh, not really a question, but a request. Can you talk about the beginning of InsideSTL.com? Um, and, you know, all that went on leading up to it. And, um, you know, I, I will give you my perspective on, um, I guess, the things that were done well. And honestly, I think I'm probably going to spend more time on things that I wish I would have done differently. And now with, I guess at this point, nearly 13 years of the rear view mirror, uh, I can look back on and, and see what I would do differently. And then ideally, uh, either it entertains you or it informs you and you can use it if it's for your own purposes, um, for how you would, uh, do something differently. So you don't repeat the mistakes I make. That's, that's essentially, uh, what the purpose would be. So how did it how did it come to pass? Um, from in two thousand, I was hired at KMOV, signed a three year contract. In two thousand three, I signed a two year contract, um, and I had started doing radio in two thousand two. So I was doing both radio and television. KMOV allowed me to do it. I guess theoretically, based on my contract, they wouldn't have had to have allowed me to do it, but they did. It was a minor thing, certainly. When I started, it was not like some monster salary. And, and when it gets down to it, I was the weekend sports anchor. So, you know, I might have thought I was the bee's knees at 23 years old working in St. Louis. But, you know, I was I was as replaceable as the day is long. So, uh, you know, if I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit and do radio, I'm sure they're going, OK, give us a couple of weeks to find the 300 people who would happily take the job and, uh, you know, be gone. So. Um, it wasn't a big deal. And then in 2004, while still doing television, uh, a new ownership group came in, bought KFNS, and they identified 
me, Martin Kilcoin, and Jimmy the Cat Hayes as the people they wanted to host the morning show, which was the birth of the morning grind. The Cat and Martin and myself would fill in for Frank Cusimano, who was my co-host. I was Frank's co-host. I think it'd be a better way to call it. Uh, from like uh, maybe the beginning of 2003 until the middle of 2004. And when Frank was out of town, Martin and the cat would come in and it had a nice following. And that is where the guys who bought the station uh, became aware of it. And they're like, this is the morning show. And then that's when we all started making some good money doing radio to the point that, you know, it became it was it allowed me to leave television. Plus, I didn't really like television. So um, with some circumstances at KMOV that I wasn't particularly enthralled about, and Steve Savard, when he was a guest of the show a month or so ago, we kind of spoke in coded words about it so as to not get into detail with it. Um, I, I didn't want to be there anymore. Um, now, if I, if I wouldn't have had the radio situation, I would have just stayed and grinded it out. Um, but I didn't really want to be there anymore, and I was making more money doing radio nearly twice as much. Um, and I was simply working 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. That was my contract. And then didn't have to work nights and weekends and holidays. And as the number three guy, third on the depth chart out of three, I would obviously be working, you know, the holidays as totally understandable. That's, that's the way the totem pole works. So I'm 27 when I leave, 28 when I leave KMOV. And at the time, so this is February of 2005, I had just started playing online poker, but it wasn't like a thing that uh, I was good at. I didn't even even know how to play the game at the start of October 2004. The reason I can specifically cite October 2004 is because I remember sitting in my hotel room in Boston during the World Series and just being like, oh, I'll fire up a Poker Stars account and create an account. And that's where I first started playing online poker. Um, and so I was just bored in my hotel room in Boston during the World Series. So I was, I had been, however, playing a lot of golf. And I don't, I, I, I don't know why I stopped playing. It's really as, as weird as it sounds. It's one of my biggest regrets in life. I guess it's, I guess it's saying something. I don't know what it says, but it says something that I, re- I go, what in the hell was I doing not playing golf in my 30s? Now that I'm a single-digit handicap, not that I could have been like, you know, you know, some of these guys you see around the area who are, you know, plus handicaps, but I certainly would be a much lower handicap if I would have played in my 30s. But once I started playing online poker, I stopped playing golf. I have no idea why. I just focused on poker because it was a way to make money, except I was horrible for the first three years, and I had to have lost thousands and thousands of dollars so I think what many people would would assume, like if you're listening to this right now, odds are you have a job, good chance you're in your 20s or 30s, and if someone said to you, now again, I was, I guess I was married, I wasn't even uh, a year into my marriage, uh, no kids, uh, lived in a condo, so I didn't have like some huge house payment, um, and, and, and my, my point in bringing all that up is very low responsibility at 28 years old. Yeah. 28 years old. Uh, when I left KMOV and so my wife would go to work, had a good job and I'd be done at 10 o'clock. And for the first few months of this, I would go to the place where I played golf. Like I said, I was starting to no longer play golf and I would either just hit balls, but I'm by myself because it's 10 30 and all my friends are working. Uh, or I would play poker all day. And I know this sounds like, it's like Peter from Office Space. It sounds like the greatest life in the world. And I guess for a couple of months, it was maybe two months. I mean, for real, two months. And I'm going to, and this will all apply to present day, by the way. Um, because I almost, I feel like I have an offer for you, so to speak. I want to collaborate. And, and when I say you, it could be literally you, the person listening. Um, but, I, I was, I became so bored that it was borderline depressing because from the time, I guess I got into the university of Missouri journalism school, it was go, 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 go. Then it was two jobs. Go, 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 go. 
And you're talking about nearly at that point, eight years of that. And now it's like, go in, do this show that fortunately is improv based. And therefore, it's not like a show where you get together at five in the morning. Okay, at 7.15, we're going to go into the blues and free agency. It's 7.35, the Cardinals and Tommy Pham getting picked off a third base. Uh, then at 8 o'clock, we have this person on. I'm going to ask this. Martin, you're going to ask. It. That's just not, you know, it's the same thing you hear now in 2018. was going on in 2005 with the morning grind, which is the morning after now. So it was it was a very unique situation, and it's something that, candidly, I'm now back in in 2018, which is how we will get to present day. But the question was, how did InsideSTL.com come to pass? And so after a couple of months of what, again, I realized sounds like the greatest thing in the world, especially for those of you with children and going, oh, my God, so no kids, your wife worked, you made enough money where you didn't have to do anything else and all you're doing is playing golf and poker. It sounds like the greatest thing in the world. Now, if I would have been a winning poker player in 2004 and five, certainly was a good time to be a winning poker player because the game was a lot softer than it eventually became, and it was even softer before then. And by that, I mean easier to beat some bad players in there, and I happen to be, unfortunately, one of the bad players um, and just pissing money away. Not, not to the point where it was like, oh, my God, how are we going to... It wasn't that. It's just like I was a losing player, Uh you know, so it wasn't like, oh, God, how are we going to make payments? It just was I was a losing player, but it wasn't, you know, eventually it became a, a where I was counting on poker money, not because I needed it, because I knew I would win. And that started, but it didn't start until 2008. And it ran all the way up until Black Friday with online poker in 2011. So that was a legitimate, you know, source of income that went away when that happened. I digress. I guess it's May of 2005. And the morning grind, which isn't even a year old, has started to started to really gain a following. Uh, nothing in comparison to what it's fortunately grown to here over the last few years, but it's definitely picked up an audience. And it and it, it did work out uh, in the sense that I thought that you have a market with with plenty of young people. Uh, maybe not as many as is as it should, and by that I mean young professionals for the the size of the city being the 21st market in the country, but nonetheless, a young population that really didn't have, I think maybe minus what at the time I think was the Woody show or Woody Whipping Boy or maybe it was Woody and Rizzuto show, now the Rizzuto show, didn't really have a show or shows that were catering to younger people. And so... Not necessarily surprisingly, a lot of older people hated the show, uh, and a lot of younger people thought it was the greatest thing in the world, mainly because it was new and it was it was content that they had enjoyed, as opposed to what Sports Talk Radio in St. Louis had been going back to the 70s. I've had a person who works at KMWX go, you know what, we killed Sports Talk Radio in St. Louis because we did it one way, and now everybody thinks it needs to be done that way, and that's why it's so boring all over town. Um, so when we first came on, they're like, you know, they wanted us fired. But because the young people saw it as kind of this anti-establishment show, there really became a following. And at the time, Jim Rome had a website. I'm sure he still does. But I just remembered that that's what I was thinking. Rush Limbaugh, not that I was like some big fan, but I was aware of it, that they would take their audience, not just on the radio, and then move it to a website. And talking about this stuff now, even though it was, quote, only 13 years ago, sounds so antiquated. I was watching the... It was just on. It wasn't like, I'm like, oh, let's sit down and watch. He's just not that into you, which is a movie that's not even 10 years old. It's eight years old. And it's one of those ensemble casts like Bradley Cooper, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Scarlett Johansson. You know, there's like 15 movie stars in it. And it's, I guess, a romantic comedy. Drew Barrymore, Kevin Conley, whatever. The point being, uh, in a scene, Drew Barrymore decides to delete her MySpace account. And I'm going, my God, this movie was made in 2009. It's not even 10 years ago. And MySpace is kind of a joke now. And yet this movie that wasn't even 10 years old, this was actually part of a scene that, you know, conveyed that she was moving in a different direction. I'm going, God, things are moving so damn quickly. Because uh, Instagram and Snapchat weren't even on the horizon and, and Facebook was just starting to become as mainstream as it is now. Point being, talking about uh, a website being like this key thing sounds so outdated now, 
But that's what I was thinking at this time in 2005. So this is where we get to the birth of InsideSTL.com. I was bored. Truly it. If I were still doing television, there's no way InsideSTL.com is ever born. Um, I was bored and, uh, and I was talking on the air about starting up a website called TheMorningGrind.com. And here is one of what I would imagine will be a number of elements of the story where I will go, God, how, how, how just stupid was I? I mean, there's, there's no, I there's no way to really euphemize it. It's stupid. Uh, and it's, it's only me to blame. Had I started the morninggrind.com as opposed to insidestl.com, I wouldn't have owned it. Uh, now, I'm sure I could have started it and I could have bought the domain, assuming the domain was available. But the morning grind, at that time, the content, the name, that was the property of, what was the name of the company that owned the thing at the time? Big League Broadcasting, if I'm not mistaken. They paid us. I didn't own that. And, it, you know, it's one thing if you're like 19 or 20 and you're doing this stuff. I mean, I was close to 30 years old. That's just, you got to know. I mean, it, I look at it and go, how, how are you so incompetent that you didn't know that now fortunately not because of somebody saying hey dipshit you can't do the morninggrind.com you don't own it uh you know i just i remember talking with a number of people about what would a good name for the website be and the thought process of what would be on the website would be uh, the show the content of the show uh, clips just like now, just like how people go to InsideSTL.com now or the app or streaming or tune in or wherever you go to listen to the show. Uh, that would be up there. And then at the time, I noticed something that now is as obsolete as the day is long, that you had these magazines uh, or like Riverfront Times, St. Louis Magazine, Live Magazine, Ladue News, where what everybody would do would be they'd flip to the pictures of people out and about at events, at bars, whatever. And I thought, well, why not ratchet that up and go to a bunch of bars and take pictures of people out? And then that way that can be new content constantly. People will do what they want to do, which is look at the people at the bars, obviously looking for attractive people, human nature. I guess you, I don't know if you can still say that in 2018, but that's the way the world works. So that's what we did. Uh, and just took people, picture of people, pictures of people out at bars. And then I would write columns. I enjoyed writing. I still enjoy writing, uh, just not at this moment inspired to get back into it. But that's what the vision for the website was. And so I remember talking with people about what to call it. And it was either my brother, Kevin, or a friend of my wife's. And I'm still not sure which one for real, because it was just kind of a, I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's a conversation and you're not like, oh, I shall remember this forever. But one of the two of them said, what about something like inside St. Louis or inside STL? And I, oh my God, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I remember going, sitting in my condo on my bed and going to godaddy.com and buying the domain for, I think, $14.95. And I remember thinking in the moment, which just sell, shows how absolutely narcissistic I am, that I remember in the moment right after buying it, Again, for fourteen dollars and ninety-five cents, or nineteen ninety-five. Point being, something immaterial. That I should keep a journal of the experience of InsideSTL.com if it ever turns into something. But in my mind, when I bought it, it was simply going to be a hobby, never thinking it would be a business. And so, I guess, in fairness, to not be real hard on myself. Um, that, that's important to go back and know that that's, that was the mindset at the start as opposed to business. Another thing I made reference to is the audio clips of the show. And I'm not talking about audio. I'm talking about the entire thing. I would take, uh, I don't even know what it was. I would, it, cause it was a Dell computer. So it wasn't like a MacBook. The technology was much different in wire from a headphone jack or a mic jack, an adapter into my laptop that would record the segments and then I would take those and then I can't remember what the name of the thing that you put, I don't know, 
plenty of you, I'm sure, know the name. I can't even remember the hell that. But I, the, I would upload it to a server, and then it would appear on InsideSTL.com. And I remember, and some of you who may be listening, you got to go back a long ways here. You may remember there was a time in like 2005 or 2006 with the morning grind where I would call the website blippityblah.com, which, as always, was a ripoff on Howard Stern because the people at his terrestrial radio station before he was going to Sirius XM, where he is now, they didn't want him saying Sirius XM, so he would say blippity blah. Well, KFNS management, ownership, big league broadcasting, didn't want me saying InsideSTL.com. They wanted me to be promoting 590thefan.com or KFNS.com, whatever it was called. I have no idea. And now, you know, and at the time, I'm like, well, fuck these guys. You know, what are they doing? But I, I got to tell you something. Now, 12 years later, I mean, don't get me wrong. These guys did plenty of things that, I, you know, I'm sure they would like to have back, uh, you know. But they were right. I did. I, I'm surprised now with the benefit of hindsight going, I'm, I can't believe they let me take their audio and put it on a site that they didn't own unless it was specified in the contract of my talent contract. But yet that's what I did. And they were fine with it. They just didn't want me saying inside STL.com. So essentially, the beginning of podcasting like the Dickens was something that that was a plan. It's just it was it wasn't done like, yeah, I guess maybe they would have a problem with it. I would have started selling it, but I had no sales infrastructure at the time, nor did I have any sales sense at the time. Had I gone out and started selling those audio clips, I'm sure then I would have heard about it. My thought process on putting those audio clips was, I think the show is getting popular. Let's try to maximize the exposure so that if people miss the show between 7 and 10, that they can go back and listen to it, i.e. podcasting. Uh, but that's not what I was calling it at the time. I don't know if anybody's calling it podcasting at the time because I'm not even sure the, the iPod was out at the time when we started the thing in August of 2005. So on August 15th, 2005, we launch InsideSTL.com. Who is we? We is me and Matt Seebeck. Uh, Matt Seebeck uh, heard me talking about doing a website uh, for the show, and he was an emailer into the show, one of the best emailers into the show for sure. Uh, and, um, God, I don't even know what Matt would have been at that time, but certainly in his uh, early 20s, because he's younger than me, and I was 28, um, and he wanted to build the site. And so, again, just going, man, great, that'll be awesome. You handle that element of it. I'll handle the marketing of it and get it out there. And that's what we did. Matt built the original InsideSTL.com. Um, and on August 15th, 2005, we launched the website. And um, I remember getting a look at the tra- I still have emails from Matt, actually, uh, about how much traffic we got on day one. And I remember it was more than a million hits. Do you ever hear anybody say anything about hits now? But back in the day, that's what people would talk about. And I remember Matt saying, well, what you got to really pay attention to, unique visitors and page views. And that's, of course, what people spend time on now. But at the time, people, because it was black magic, they didn't know, they would talk about hits. And hits were not the equivalent of page views or visitors. So when I saw we had more than a million hits, I wasn't under the impression that uh, we had a million people visiting the site. But it did have a lot of traffic from the very beginning. And I remember, and I don't even know how we got our first advertiser, but I do remember who our first advertiser was, Tin Can. Uh, Tin Can located, uh, their location was on Morgan Ford. They eventually had another one on Locust, and then they built one in Columbia, Missouri, eventually. But at the time, they only had one in Morgan Ford. And I guess the site was starting to pick up some traffic because Morning Grind listeners would listen to the content there, um, and uh, people would look at uh, the nightlife section, is what we called it, with the pictures of people out at bars. And, you know, it served as some grassroots marketing because I would have our photographers hand the people who just had their pictures taken and inside STL.com business cards. So they would be able to go to the website. Ideally they'd like the website. They'd stick around. People would read my columns, whatever the case might be. Not to say that they were enamored with them by any means, but I made sure to write every day. And I did this all the way until like 2013. Um, But the thing was starting to gain some traction. And then I don't know how it came to pass but somebody said, we ought to start selling some advertising on that. And I, what do you mean? Like, how would you even, how would you even go about doing that? And 
I truly don't know how we wound up getting Tin Can on. Uh, perhaps Josh, who ran the Tin Can, was a fan of the show or the site. I don't know. I just remember, because I still have a copy of the check, that he bought advertising on the website. And I remember going down to my condo's apartment uh, condo mailbox and opening up the mail and seeing a check for $100 and going, oh, my God, I can't believe that this hobby that really was created to fill my boredom and promote the morning grind actually led to somebody sending a check. It, 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 it blew my mind. And I still, I mean, you know, in that pro, I don't know what, I think it might've been October of 2005. And so maybe we got a couple more advertisers on nothing for anything. that's going to like, you know, move me into Huntley. But in, in February of 2006, and this, this, was a, this was a critical moment, uh, but it also will lead to another thing that I go, what in the hell? In, over the course, this is, this is true, this is how this happened. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about it before. In like January or early February of 2006, I'm on MySpace. Okay, another MySpace reference. But this is true. And I don't remember how your friend setup was. Everybody was friends with Tom on MySpace, uh, just like Facebook. You'd look at attractive lasses, you know, ABC poker. But somehow I saw Jim Edmonds, who I knew from covering the Cardinals, but I wasn't friends with, uh, pop up, his MySpace profile pop up. And it wasn't like it was Jim Edmonds, like in a baseball uniform or anything like that. It was like, I don't even know what it was, but it was like, but I'm like, oh, that's, that's Edmonds. And then I guess you could DM people, although it wasn't called DM on MySpace. I don't know. Or just post on their wall. I don't remember what the hell it was, you know. Uh, but either way, I remember sending something to him and not even knowing if he would know who I am. And he immediately got back to me and we were joking around over MySpace. And I said, I'll see you in a couple weeks down at spring training. We're going to be doing our show down there. And we go down there, and I thought maybe he'd just be like, yeah, I'm not even going to acknowledge we had an exchange on MySpace, which I wouldn't blame him. Um, but sure enough, we're doing the show from outside the Cardinal Clubhouse, which, of course, we've now been doing for years and years and years. And this was the second year doing it. And Edmonds, the 2006 team that wound up winning the World Series, uh, comes by, and he's screwing around with us at the table where we're doing the show. And then he gets done. He goes, what are you guys doing after the show? And I'm like, well, I'm going back to the hotel. And he goes, why don't we get something to eat? Well, hang out. I'm bored. I'm like, God bless America. So me and producer Joe go with Edmonds to the mall, the Gardens Mall, Palm Beach Gardens Mall in Jupiter, hang out, have lunch. I still have the pictures. It's the weirdest damn thing. There's a picture of like producer Joe holding up like supplements at like a GNC and then Edmonds and him watching TV and like a recliner. I mean, it's a... I don't know what we were doing, uh, but that's what happened. I still have the pictures, and it, we just developed a rapport. I remember the Cardinals had just signed Scott Spezio. I had no idea, nor probably did Jim know that Spezio enjoyed the nightlife as much as he did, but we all went out. Uh, that included me, producer Joe, Edmund, Spezio, and Martin. I don't think the cat went for this. The cat is always uh, not necessarily looking to imbibe uh, late night, but we all went out. Super late. I remember I had this Titleist hat that Spezio just out of nowhere reached across the the booth we were all in, looked at me, and he just started shredding it and staring at me like with this intense. We all had been having some some tastes, and I'm just like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Here's the guy who hit that huge home run for the Angels four years ago, and I just met him, and I don't know what he's. I have no idea what the man is doing, but this is really interesting. Uh, and then we wound up becoming friends with Spezio, became friends with Edmonds to the point that Edmonds is flying back, uh, for the birth of his son, Landon. And he comes by the table for like the last day we're doing the show. And he says, Oh, is today your guy's last day? I said, yes, yeah, got a, got the standard flight from Palm beach to Orlando, to Birmingham, to St. Louis, something like that. Palm beach to Tampa, to Bur Birmingham, to St. Louis. That's really what the the route was going to be wonderful. And he goes, Oh, you can just fly home with me. I'm flying on uh, Jerry Clinton's private plane back. 
And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, just, it's, it's the, the private airport's just a little north of here. Just cancel your flight. And you, can, you guys can fly back with, with me. He says to me and producer Joe. And I'm like, okay, that, that sounds like a better way to travel. So, you know, I mean, a flight that would have probably taken all day with all of those stops. We're back in St. Louis in two hours on a private jet. Different world. Not something you're used to uh, when you grow up in South City. And on the cor- over the course of that flight, I mean, what if he wouldn't have? I mean, who knows? I mean, this is, this is, the, this is the thing about, I, this is why I love talking with entrepreneurs, because everybody has these stories where you either see your big miss or you see how crucial something that was by chance was to a trajectory of a business. While we're flying back, Edmonds says something along the lines of, um, how's that website doing? Those people really like that website. And I go, I mean, it gets a lot of traffic. It's not like it's a business or anything. He goes, why isn't it a business? And I go, I don't know. It's just something I do to promote the radio show. He goes, well, what if I bought part of it? It just out of nowhere, just apropos of absolutely nothing. It's not like I'm like, you know what my plan is? I'm going to hit Edmonds up on MySpace, talk about spring training, see him at spring training, and then get myself onto his private flight back to St. Louis and then hit him up with a pitch and an, uh, to, to get him uh, to, to buy into the website. It wasn't even in my mind. Had he not brought it up, it wouldn't have ever even happened because I wasn't even thinking that was possible. So Edmonds brings it up, and he says he wants to buy a part of it. And then I'm like, yeah, I mean, and then we wind up over the next few weeks working out, you know, the number and the percentage and, you know, and Jim Edmonds becomes a part of Inside STL. He owns part of Inside STL. And then all that did was, I mean, certainly it was it was operating capital, which allowed us to start running it in some semblance of, like a business. But then it opened my eyes to, oh, this is something people see as valuable. Let's sell other pieces of it and raise capital to actually turn it into a business as opposed to, a hobby that that's filling time for me uh, from my obsessions of golf and or poker. And so at that point, um, it, only to my friends, it wasn't like I, you know, went out with some venture capital firm here, uh, but um, brought on, I think, five other people. And now we had some money to work with. And, uh, and that is how Inside STL went from hobby to business. Now, what I look back on, again, I'm at this point 29. I look back on it now, and I'm wondering, especially plenty of you who are, you know, absurdly more sophisticated than me, and that that could be damn near everybody listening to this. What I look back on and go, why in the hell didn't I just take out a line of credit? Or why didn't I just fund it myself? I, you know, I mean, it's not like we were talking about, you know, seven-figure startup here. Uh, you know, it was a website with minimal expenses. I mean, we're talking about minimal expenses as opposed to, you know, selling equity. So this is where we kind of get into in some semblance of some, you know, detail of the business. Uh, because it's just, that's just, it's just, it's just bad business. There's just no other way to describe it. Now, the thought process taking myself back was, oh my God, the gold glove center fielder of the St. Louis Cardinals, fresh off a hundred win season, which was fresh off a hundred five win season the year before and a pennant wants to buy into my business. So the thought process was not from like a star fucker fan or a Jersey chaser fan, uh, but this will give credibility to the business. I remember specifically thinking that it's like when Anheuser Busch bought advertising on it. I remember like, yeah, they're probably getting too good of a deal, uh, but we can say we have Anheuser Busch on the website because again, keep in mind, it's not like there were websites selling advertising all over the place at the time, uh, local ones anyway. I mean, certainly there were national and global, but we're talking the MySpace era here, and so I look back on that and I go, that was just that was just. I should have known better. Not that I wouldn't have sold to Jim um, because he was a great partner. It had nothing to do with that. It's just if you're starting a business, unless you're really like, like if you watch Shark Tank, for example, unless you really, really, if we're talking, you know, need 
whatever, so whatever dollar figure you would deem to be something that's beyond your comfort level um, to either take out a line of credit on or to put in yourself, you don't want to give up equity. And I gave up equity like it was, you know, candy. Uh, and that's just, again, it's just a mistake. It, it's just something you look back on and it's a mistake. You learn from it. And I'm sure right now in 2018, I'm making plenty of mistakes that in 2030, I would look back and go, God, I can't believe I did that or that I didn't do that. It's just the way that it works. But you try to learn from them. Um, And so that is how the business of Inside STL started. The jump from 2006, where it became, oh, guys are just buying in to it actually becoming a profitable business generating material revenue was when in at the end of 2009, if I'm not mistaken, John Helmkamp, who ran 1380 at this point, uh, me and the cat and Doug now uh, are at 1380. And they came to us after two years or so, two years and change and said, we cannot afford to pay you. Can't do it. Want to, can't. This wasn't a negotiation ploy or anything like that. It just, it, it just wasn't. And I know John, still think John is one of the finest people I've met, period, much less finest people I've met in radio. And so I know this isn't a bluff. He said, and, and then at the time, KFNS had contacted me and they wanted me to host Afternoon Drive. Uh, but I didn't want to go to KFNS and host Afternoon Drive, even though it was going to be a 30, 33% salary increase. Why didn't I want to go to KFNS and host Afternoon Drive? Because then Doug and the Cat wouldn't be able to be on the show with me. And that was the primary goal in 2009, to keep the thing together, because we thought we had something. And, uh, you know, I guess since the thing's still going strong in 2018, we were right. And I'm not really surprised in that sense. Um, I don't think any of us expected it to, to to grow like it has, but it, it still was great as far as what we already had in 2009. And so I, I knew that if I went to KFNS and did afternoon drive, I wouldn't be able to work with Doug and the cat because of their TV jobs. So 13, the only thing 1380 could offer us was you can have all the ad inventory and sell it yourself, but we can't pay you a dollar. So critical moment. Another critical moment, kind of like the Edmonds flight home. Critical moment was I can either go to KFNS and make a very nice living, no question about it, uh, and host afternoon drive, but not do it with the Doug, uh, with the cat and Doug, or uh, stay at thirteen eighty, and then use the inside STL sales infrastructure, which is essentially two people, um, and put the bill for my salary, my entire living, uh, Doug's salary, the cat's salary, producer Joe's salary, board operator salary, all of the expenses associated with the business. I mean, it's a gamble. There's, there's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily high stakes gambling, but it was certainly a gamble. And I truly did not know what I wanted to do. And I recall having this conversation with my father, who we talk about on the show quite a bit. It is a running joke that, of course, uh, the only reason I have any job is nepotism. And uh, my dad, you know, is is doing everything for me and and my brothers and sister. And that's just the way it is. So whatever. It's a running joke. It's fine. But my dad was the one who was in charge of sales for Inside STL. And he has been in the market in sales going back to the 1960s. um, And People in sales in St. Louis certainly think the world of him as they should. Uh, He's one of the best to ever do it. So I certainly want his feedback. And whatever he says, honestly, on this decision is what I would have done. Uh, If he would have said, Timmy, go to KFNS and do afternoon drive and just let him pay you a bunch of money and get away from this bullshit, I would have done it. For real. However, he said, Timmy, they're both shitholes. And if I got to be in a shithole, I'd rather control my own destiny. And I said, so you're saying to take the 1380 offer and turn down all this money over here? And he goes, it's your call, Timmy. I don't know. But if I got to be in a shithole, I'd rather control my own destiny. 
And with that, I decided to, and stunned, I think, uh, the person who I called at KFNS to say, I appreciate the offer. I am going to decline uh, and take no money to sell my own stuff at, at 1380. And that is what we did. That's uh, and and it was a it was a it was a risk because I knew what we had been generating revenue wise strictly from inside STL, uh, and the the average monthly revenue number, and I knew what we had to now hit in order just to break even in order to pay my entire salary, Doug's salary, the cat salary, producer Joe's salary, all the expenses, radio board op that come with it, and it was about a oh it wasn't. It was, it was about a 225% increase, but now we have radio, uh, radio inventory to sell, but it was a bet. I mean, it was, it was a bet, but it was a calculated risk. It was essentially moving all in on a, on a straight draw and a flush draw. And we've got a very good chance to hit based on what we have. And so I was comfortable making the play and we made the play. And in January of 2010, that's how we, that's, that's, there was no more check. I now I'm getting hit with self-employment tax because I'm, I'm no longer receiving dollars from anybody but inside STL. Uh, Doug's check, the cat's check, producer Joe's check, it all came from inside STL. And we were now responsible for billing um, and uh, selling, and that's what we did. And fortunately, from the get-go, we made it work. So much so that four months, maybe five months later, um, the same person at KFNS, and it's not really cryptic, but I just don't know if the person would want his name out there, uh, associated with everything that happened. Uh, great guy, I have a great relationship with him, just then came to me and said, um, how about you do exactly what you're doing at 1380, but do it over here. And that meant five months after turning down the afternoon drive at KFNS, now I could bring the crew to morning drive at KFNS. And from KFNS's standpoint, Hell, they don't have to pay me the number they were paying me anymore because all I want is the exact same deal I have at 1380. And all KFNS wants is to put 1380 out of business, which they knew was going to happen once we left. And it did immediately. Uh, and and everybody won. And that's how it came to pass. And from that point in January of 2010, I guess the decision was made in November 2009, all the way until we got to KFNS in 2000. 16, inside STL was the owner of everything that you heard and, and paying everybody um, associated with TMA. And that is no longer the case. Um, but that is what it was for those six, seven years. And so, you know, I think I think if there's something that I would say to, a, to either myself going back then or to an, an entrepreneur now, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs may say this, I could be wrong. You know, I saw something and I, it, it's, and I, I wish I could, I mean, I wonder if I could find it now. And it's not like it's like so profound that it'll make you pull over to the side of the road and start weeping. Um, but uh, here it is. The greatest danger for most of us is not that we aim too high and miss it, but we aim too low and reach it. And, from an entrepreneurial standpoint and really where I am right now, I told you this would all correlate to 2018. Um, God, that one, that one hits, that one hits, uh, because if I could go back, I would have been way more aggressive. Now it's easy to say now because I know things worked out, but would have been more aggressive, but hell, I mean, there's, there's all these years under my belt and I'm still only 41 years old. And it brings us to the current day and how it ties into 2005, you know, from uh, whenever the man and woman thing happened, which I guess was around February of 2013. So more than five years now. Um, and we nearly bought KFNS or took control of KFNS then. And I'm certainly considering knowing the parties involved. Glad we didn't because I know it wouldn't have been able to be successful unless I would have had unilateral decision making control on it. Um, and knowing the, the financial circumstances there, I, that wouldn't have been given to me, um, that it wouldn't have worked. 
But now having done it and we started, well, we didn't start 920, but to flip the format of 920 from what it was to sports and run that profitably for three years, but it ran me and my wife who worked with me daily into the ground. At one point I was doing two shows and running the business. And I look back and I go, how in the hell did I do that? But, but at the time, and why did I do it? But at the time it's, it's not, it's not done out of, um, desire so much as it's done out of necessity to keep the business going. And I've since had some conversations like with the cat, for example, um, we're talking about a situation. I said, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. I said, but you know, there were times at nine twenty where Anna Marie and I, we couldn't pay ourselves. Now I didn't, I didn't make it public because if I do, then I'm, then I'm either, it may come off as I'm guilting people into taking a pay cut or, you know, it's, it's, it's just a private thing or I'm scaring people. Actually, what I would have been scaring people like, oh, my God, this thing's going to go out of business. But I, we did what we had to do to get the thing going and to keep the thing going. And it, there were lean times, man. Um, and, I, and, you know, there's nothing heroic or it was you just have to do what you have to do. That's that uh, within the realm, of course, of doing the right thing and, and, and operating, um, you know, legally. But. Yeah, if I I can't pay, I got to make payroll. Then okay, Anna Marie, we're not going to pay each other. That's just the way that it's it's got to work. Uh, because I can't send the message to the people who are on the payroll that they're not getting paychecks this week because we don't have enough money. So we grinded, and fortunately, we were able to make it work. But uh, it was a grind, and 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 so it's one of those things that now it's gone from a hundred miles an hour from 2013 with inside STL and nine twenty to now I'm back to 2005 and I just do the show and we do the podcast and that that's maybe one or two interviews a week and then questions from the audience. But relative to what I think is an unfortunate thing, um, but maybe some people think it's a good thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's certainly subjective. For me personally, I am not, I can't enjoy being done with work at 10 o'clock. I wish I could. I can't. I always have to be doing something else. And I wish I, I wish I could, I wish I could. At the same time, if I could do that, then I probably wouldn't have started inside STL 13 years ago. And maybe it would have been better. I don't know. Because I always got to be doing something. It's just my nature. I can't sit and watch TV without being on my laptop or on my phone as well. Uh, it's understood for Anna Marie that, you know, I'm going to probably be hopping on my phone at some point, even if we're out to dinner and a text comes in and I got a tent. It's just the way of our life. And I'm sure plenty of you can relate to that in your particular field. The difference is um, I want to do more. You know, I want to do more. You know, it's been lovely to get my golf game to a single digit handicap. But I mean, what the fuck does that get you? You know, I mean, I didn't do anything. You know, there's nothing, you know, maybe I'm playing a $10 Nassau, so I win 30 bucks on a golf course. I mean, that's, that's you know, that might be nice when I'm 75, but, you know, I'm 41. And I'm hungry as fuck to try and capitalize on the opportunities that that are out there. Uh, it's just a matter of what the next play is. So that's not saying, oh, I want to leave TMA at all. Like I said a number of times, and I always feel like I have to put this official disclaimer on when we talk about TMA and the future of TMA. Um, if I can do TMA until the, the day I die, I'm okay with that. I recognize that the, the, the cast is going to change. That's just, that's just the nature of the situation. The cast has changed a number of times over the years as it, as it is, and it will change over the years. So it's not a desire to get out of radio. It's just at 10 o'clock, I'm more than happy to go do something else. And what I've learned, and perhaps the biggest lesson on Inside STL, uh, is to not spend time on things that don't make you money unless you absolutely love doing them and you do them for free anyway. Because I wrote, as I made reference to, on InsideSTL.com from 2005 nightly all the way through either 2013 or 2014, and I did not make a dollar off of those columns. Now, some can say, well, you, you know, you increased your brand or notability or whatever, whatever. It, for the amount of time that I put in on those, especially the Monday morning scrap utility, man, and to not really make money off it, it's just dumb. I mean, again, I know some people say, oh, listen, I, I'm the one who did it. I have nobody to blame but myself. 
It's dumb. But after that experience and then also after operating radio station, radio stations, if you want to use that, uh, I just have a different perspective on things now. And I'm not interested in subsidizing other people's careers any longer. We have a great thing with the Ryan Kelly morning after an incredible thing in so many different ways. And we're so lucky to have what we have with the Ryan Kelly morning after, because you're, you're lucky if you get one of these in your life and, uh, and we have it and to have it for 13 years, 14 years, I guess. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible good fortune. Um, and you know, I, I, the, the people who have played a role in, in it's either building it or growing it or keeping it going from my standpoint should be taken care of. Um, and that, that at this point in my professional career is my priority. Um, and so, you know, if that, you know, would then make me the bad guy to other people then then so be it. Um, but you know, I've seen it now and, and actually done it for a few years and that's a lesson from inside STL. One of the toughest things in the broadcasting business, especially when you're in my spot as a peer because I'm on air, is to part ways with people. Because when you part ways with people, unlike, say, the Cardinals, when they send down a pitcher who has a 9 ERA and everybody goes, God, when are they going to send him down? He's not producing. In radio, you could be the shittiest broadcaster with an audience of five people, but those five people really like you. And they have no idea what revenue you're bringing in. They have no idea what your behavior is like behind the scenes. And then you part ways with the person and then whoever parts ways is an asshole. Except usually the person who does the parting of the ways is this nameless uh, face behind the scenes uh, to the public that they don't know. Well, in my case, I'm out there from 7 to 10 every morning. Hey, fuck you. Why'd you do this? Fuck you. Nice job on this. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, I can sit here and say, well, here's what really happened. Except I can't. So I have to just sit there and eat shit and I'm done doing that. I'm not interested in that any longer. So those days are over. Um, and it was a stressful time, but it needed it to take place in order to give the morning after a lifeboat to keep going. Um, and so you look back on the 13 years of inside STL and what it started, which was a hobby where I was thrilled to see a hundred dollar check and handing out equity, uh, like it was worth you know, pennies to the view now. And I guess it, it I, I would hope it doesn't come off as harsh, but if it does, honestly, that's part of the evolution. That's what it needs to be. It has to be numbers oriented and not feelings oriented. But at the same time, you still can operate a business and treat other people how you would like to be treated. The two can coexist just because you're going to focus on numbers and you may have to part ways with people doesn't mean that you do it and treat them like shit. And I firmly believe the two can coexist. Um, so when I look back on it all, um, I, I cannot believe that inside STL started in August 05. And here we are nearly 13 years later in the company, certainly in a different form. I mean, inside STL.com is uh, certainly not as active as it was, nor do I at this moment plan on it being. That could change. Um, I mean, the world's different. It's it's app-based at this moment. Who knows what it'll be in a few years. And uh, Inside STL does own the content of the morning after and owns archives of the morning after and so on and so forth. Um, but I look back on it and just go, God, that was stupid. Wow, that was stupid. Man, I can't believe you weren't like 17 and made that mistake. You were nearly 30 and made that mistake. Wow, why'd you do that? And that's just, that's, that's part of evolving. It's recognizing mistakes and then ideally trying to correct them. But like I said, I would imagine in 10 years, I'll look back on 2018 and go, my God, what the hell were you doing? Or why weren't you doing that? That's part of, that's part of the deal. The goal is always to try to treat the people who are on the inside, who know the details, like you would want to be treated. That was one of the things from the outset. I saw how these guys from Atlanta were treating people, um, and I'm like, I, I'll just, I'll just do the opposite. I'm, I don't even know what to do. I just know I will do the opposite of what these guys are doing. And ideally it'll work out. And fortunately in that capacity, um, it did. So I don't know if that's what you were expecting on the answer. Uh, but that truly is the story 
of InsideSTL.com, which is really more Inside STL Enterprises at this moment, and who knows what it will be um, down the road. But uh, no matter what, it's been 13 years, and it certainly has been one hell of an adventure. And people really like this question, and I like this question. The problem is I don't have a good answer for it, and I hate that. Um, but it, it uh, comes from Timmy Recaps, and he says, Assume for the moment you had to be interviewed for a 20- to 30-minute piece about life, work, sports, St. Louis. Who would you most like to be interviewed by? Who do you think could draw the most out of you, make you feel comfortable enough to say uncomfortable things? This question might suck, but it sounded good in my head. That's from Timmy Recaps. Um, I think it's a great question. Uh, and if you're, if you're talking nationally, I'd say Howard Stern, and it's an insta-call. Um, or Joe Buck. I think Joe, I, I think I, I haven't, I haven't asked Joe about this. He just had uh, his twins a month and a week ago. Um, but he is going to be on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll certainly talk about it, but he's not going to be doing his interview show anymore. And I hate that, but my guess is that was Joe's choice because he's going to be doing Thursday night football in addition to baseball and of course, Sunday football on Fox. So I'm sure he's like, yeah, I've got enough of my plate. Plus I have one month old twins. Um, but I love that show. And I think his ability as an interviewer is something that I don't, I don't even know if he recognizes like how innate that talent is. Um, but it's, it's such a, talent and I love that show um, and I know he'd do a hell of a job especially because he kind of knows some of the stuff and he knows you know some of the stories that many people know except he knows like the details of the stories and then from a so so that would be like the local but if you're talking about like local local uh, as in you know doesn't call Super Bowls and World Series I am trying to think I feel like Dave Glover does a hell of a job and we hit it off when uh, he was in on the podcast. Um, I don't know uh, if he were still around. Joe Strauss would do a hell of a job, would do a great job. Um, oh, 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 oh. I don't know. Frank Cusimano, actually. I think Frank does a hell of an interview. Frank Cusimano does a hell of an interview. And, uh, and he would do a great job on it. So... Um, people have said from the podcast world and the TMA world that you ought to let like Buck Swope, uh, do an interview. We just have to put like an, an egg timer on his questions just to make sure that they don't go too long. But Buck Swope would, would remember things from this show's history, uh, that I would have to like have notes in front of me on how to answer because I wouldn't remember them. But Swope has a, uh, has an incredible memory when it comes to this radio show. So there are my answers. Um, and maybe I'm, and maybe somebody email me and say, "Hey, why don't you have this person uh, do it?" And I might have missed an obvious one, but those are the ones. I mean, people might say Bob Costas. Um, I, first off, I'm quite certain Bob Costas, Howard Stern, and Joe Buck are all absolutely not interested in interviewing me. But nonetheless, just to play in fantasy land. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, Frank does a hell of a job with his interviews. Dave Glover, and there might be one. I'm missing that's obvious, and as I always say, if when you're talking local personalities, people are on point for, like, shade, uh, and by not mentioning somebody or by taking a little shot, there's shade, and I'm telling you in the greatest of sincerity, uh, there's no shade. I'm just answering off the top of my head as to uh, who I think would do a good job. So, um, great question, Timmy Recaps. Uh, Steve, thank you for your question on the history of Inside STL. Hopefully, for those of you who are considering starting up a business or uh, who have started up a business uh, that performed either some form of information or entertainment, and I'm dead serious when I say this, I'm interested in starting up another business, literally right now. Um, you know, Anna Marie, we were having a conversation about it because I played golf four times in five days. And it's one thing if you're doing that and you're like, you know, 30 and you have no kids, or you're 60 and your kids are grown up. I have a nine-month-old and I'm playing golf. No, I'm not... I'm not just going out and playing for the hell of it, even though it's dumb. These are actual, like, competitions. You know, I, I use the term loosely with, like, the Fan Page Club Championship as an example. But, you know, like the Bell Reeve PGA Championship Media Day, that's not a competition, but that's a kind of a, you know, you don't get that opportunity often. Uh, and then there's some of these other things that I do play in, and then they're scheduled. But Anna Marie's like... I mean, you have a nine-month-old, and you've played golf four times in five days, and I know you love it, 
And I love yoga, so I have my thing. The difference is yoga isn't, you know, five hours. And her point is absolutely well-founded. She goes, but I think maybe you're just kind of bored. Uh, And I go, you know me so well. We've been together, you know, as long as we have, and you know the program. I thought at this time, you know, this is, we were doing this interview, not this interview, questions and emails on June 6th. Honestly, I thought we'd be doing 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. on 590 at this point. Um, And... Uh, for one reason or another, we have not, and we might not ever come to an agreement on that. And so that was what I was planning on spending a lot of time on, not only from a preparation standpoint for six to seven, because that would be a different style of show than TMA from seven to 10, but from the business side of it, uh, that was going to be like my new project to start up and a new business. And we just haven't at this point that been able to have a conversation where we can, work out details and, uh, and see if we can come to an agreement because I was raring to go and excited to do, uh, my own thing from six to seven, but that also would require the selling and the business of it. And that's what I thought I was going to be doing. And instead now I'm just like, Oh, it's 10 o'clock. I know you're going to be tending to our son. I'm going to go work on my putting, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be broadcasting. If somebody's sitting there going, I'm looking to do something, and I'm not even talking about capital. It's not like I'm sitting here as some multimillionaire. Uh, but I would invest in something. I would love to work on something. But as I said, it's got to be something, you know, it's not, oh, you know, this would be fun, and then maybe you can donate it to charity. This is a business. And I'm looking for uh, another business to get involved in. That is what I am looking for. And if it winds up being 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., uh, then God bless. And that might wind up happening. Uh, but that's that's where I am. And that is exactly where I was in 2005, except at the time I was looking for a hobby. Now I'm looking for a business, and that's the difference. And I know we have a lot of astute listeners, and uh, they might be going, well, I've been thinking about doing this. What do you think? Email me. And, and, and if I say, no, thank you, it's nothing personal. And you might be right. I might be wrong. Look at all the stupid shit I did. It's not like I know all the answers. Uh, but feel free. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I think I've gone an hour, so I think that's more than enough. Uh, I hope it was informative. I hope in some capacity it was entertaining. Perhaps it was absolutely fucking dreadful. I have no idea. But either way, I can tell you this, it was all true. So hopefully it provided some form of lessons for those of you who are either operating businesses or uh, engaged in uh, wanting to start one up yourself. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. I have gotten to know the Landoffs, I guess, over the last year, but really... um, from John, who you see on all the commercials, and now he has his sons, uh, John and uh, Sam on the commercials. I've gotten to know all three of them, and it is so wonderful to have gotten to know them. They're just entertaining people. They're great people. They run a business that has been around since 1943 and has grown to be uh, synonymous with quality in St. Louis and it's a family business. Even as big as it is, it is absolutely a family business in every sense of the word. And if you are in the market for a car, I would wholeheartedly recommend Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. Just got my wife's car from Johnny Landoff Chevrolet last month. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet uh, is where we would tell you on this podcast to go and get your cars uh, because they are now our automotive sponsor on the Tim McKernan Show. They're online at Landoff dot com whether it be for sales service or parts they do it all at landoff.com of course ryan kelly the home loan expert.com and james carlton state farm insurance thank you to all of you for submitting your questions as always thank you for listening i'm tim mckernan this has been another edition of the tim mckernan show from the home loan expert.com studios 